back them dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Help bellboy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. I'm Zachary Scott Johnson. It has been a while. Do I say that every episode? Probably. Um, It's been a while, but we're back. We're excited to be back, and uh, we'll explain what has happened and what we've been through over the last couple of months. There actually isn't too much to get into here before the actual episode itself. Just a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, especially on iTunes. That really does help. Uh, Meryl McNally hosts our Instagram page, which is Meryl Street Podcast, if you search for us there. Um, you can check out Neverland Theater Company, neverlandtheatercompany.org in uh, New Mexico. That's Meryl Cedar's company. Uh, you can check out ZacharyScottJohnson.com. There's only one T in Scott. You can also search the Song A Day Project on YouTube. That's my Song A Day thing. And uh, yeah, please keep listening. We're back and we're, we're going to get back to some consistency here. So uh, we're ready to start the show. in the Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. Meryl McNally, it has been a while, my friend, and we are back. Oh my gosh, it has been so long, guys. You probably don't recognize the sound of our voices. (laughs) So, we kind I put up a little thing um, right before the post episode. Just, I, I don't want to go overboard on this, but I do feel like an explanation is an <laughs> is an order. Um, you know, sometimes we're sporadic with our episodes, and and we've been pretty good about owning that. This time, it was actually honestly not our fault. We were really struggling with um, our podcast server, our kind of host site. We we taped an episode of The Post back when that movie had like just come out. I saw it the opening day and we talked about it, you know, just like a few days after that. I have right next to me The Post on Blu-ray. It's already out on Blu-ray. That's how long it took us to actually get the episode out. (laughs) I'm holding it in my hand. You can go buy it at your store and I think you should. So um, yeah, for some reason it was just, you could download it at our hosts site um but you couldn't find it on itunes or anywhere else it was just showing up with errors so i don't know what was going on and it took us months to figure it out and eventually the solution somehow was chopping the episode up into two halves so i don't know i don't know what happened thank you for figuring that out I, well, I don't know what happened there but yeah it was just i was trying anything at a certain point and i thought maybe there was something about the file that was corrupted, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Do you think the universe is telling us we should record shorter episodes? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that is a point. Yes, maybe. Um, so anyway, we're sorry that it took so long, but again, this time, this time we really can't take too much of the blame. I guess we could have like been beaten down the doors harder, but you know, I don't know. It is what it is. So it's good to be back anyway. Um, what yeah, have, and thank you to everyone who kind of stuck with us and, and, and waited it out. Yeah, when absolutely. Went up, you were definitely listening. So we appreciate that. If you're still with us, we, we appreciate <laughs> you. 
Um, so yeah. what, this is a silly question because it's been like four months, but you know, what's been going on in with you, Meryl, what's, what's new? What have you been seeing? What have you been doing? So much. So, um, I, I am quitting being a lawyer and in August and moving to New York, I got into Columbia's MFA program for theater management and producing. And so I'll be starting, I'll be starting in the fall. So that's a major change that's happened in the last five months while we've been off air, yep. which is really exciting. It is. We've been talking and I've said congratulations many times, but you know, officially congratulations. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. And then, um, we have been, the theater company's been super busy. We hosted, um, we hosted a community talent show um, for kids, which went really, really well. It was really fun. And then um, we just recently had another show this past weekend that did well. And I'm busy trying to transition that and close up my practice. And entertainment-wise, I've watched so much in the last five months. Um, I don't even really know where to start. I know. It's tricky, <laughs> isn't it? It's tricky. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm currently, um, I'm currently obsessed with John Mulaney and his comedy special. His newest one just came out called Kid Gorgeous on Netflix. Everybody check it out. He's great. Um, yeah, he's hilarious. And, um, oh, also Killing Eve on the BBC with Sandra Oh. Nice. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge show. Um, yeah, I highly recommend that. What have you been up to for the last five months? Touring, just touring. It's you know heading into really, really, really busy season for me, which is fun yeah. and it's its own thing. Um, as you know, again, Meryl, um, I was just in New York a couple weeks ago myself. Uh, actually, last week I was there. Um, I played at Rockwood Music Hall, um, which was great, but I also got to see some stuff while I was there. Um, I saw Denzel Washington and some other fantastic actors and actresses in uh, The Iceman Cometh, which was uh, amazing to be in the presence of Denzel Washington, arguably our greatest actor. You know, for for me, it's him, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Tom Hanks are all kind of there, you know. Um, Yeah. But to be, it was similar to last year when I went out and we talked about when I saw Kate Blanchett in a play and I had box seats. So I was, you know, 10 feet away, you know, I mean, like we made eye contact during the show. It was, wow. it was really amazing to be that close to him and, and David Morse, who's in the show, Bill Irwin, who's in the show. Um, there's some really wow. amazing, amazing people in it. Um he really has some incredible energy. You know, I mean, he has the energy of like a 30-year-old. He's so vibrant on stage. It was really something. Wow. So um, go see The Iceman Cometh if you can. I saw two other things while I was there that I'd love to give a plug to. One is maybe the funniest thing that I've seen since Noise is Off, which is the play that goes really? wrong. Have you heard of this show, Meryl? Oh, yeah. I have. Well, I just saw I just saw a closing notice for it, which I always thought about because I've heard good things about it. When is it closing? I heard that too that they were closing, but I don't know when. I don't remember, so I, I'm not a wealth of information. I just remember seeing the notice on. New York Magazine, I think. Yeah, I think somebody else told me about that because I was talking about the show and they said, oh, yeah, they're closing at the end of this summer, so I want to see it before then. So you might have a chance because hopefully it is the end of the summer and you'll be able to see it. I couldn't more highly recommend this show. It is so amazing. It's so just... 
it's it's like noises off for any theater people out there where like the precision of it is amazing um so that was great and then the following night i saw uh jeremy irons and leslie manville in uh, a long day's journey into night at bam in brooklyn which was great yeah. what do you think what do you think of that um i thought it was i read some interesting reviews which is why i asked yeah you know um I I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought that show is really kind of hers more so than his. Um, it 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 really yeah. she's she's amazing. I think he's amazing too. Everybody and it is great. Um, I liked a lot of the choices. It to me was interesting because again I'd seen the Iceman cometh a couple nights before, which is you know four hours and really kind of takes its its time. This one was yeah. was a little less than three and a half hours. And to tell you the truth, it seemed like they were making a conscious effort to like not dwell on things, if that makes any sense. I, I'm not saying they were yeah. rushing, but I feel like there was an effort made to like keep the pace brisk. And, um, you know, a certain part of me appreciated that. A certain other part of me felt like, um, you know, the maybe some of the freedom that goes with some of the choices was was not there. I don't know. It's it's hard to compare shows. I thought everybody did a, a great job, and I thought it's definitely worth seeing if you can manage to see it before it closes. It's BAM is a much smaller theater um, than most of the Broadway houses, mm-hmm. and so it was. I mean, full to the upper decks. You know, when I, when I was there, I think yeah. it's hard to get a ticket to it, but um, I would recommend it for sure. Yeah. What have you read or heard about it? Uh, there were uh, they just felt. The negative reveal that it was a one production oh. in a monotone, and that Jeremy Irons is very difficult to understand. Oh, uh, for most of the play, that they couldn't. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, if you told me that about Tom Hardy, I'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> well that makes sense. Uh, you know. Well, maybe it, I don't know. You know, every performance is different. I will say that, unlike the Ice Man Cometh, where I was ten feet from the actors, I think I was in the very top row of the the highest. I guess there's only one balcony, um, but I was in the very last yeah. row of the theater for for a long day's journey into night, and I never had a problem understanding a word. Okay. So, I mean, but like I well, say that. You know. You yeah. get one person's opinion. Absolutely. It. That doesn't mean I'm right and they were wrong or vice versa. It's just different perceptions. So, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't... I wouldn't. And I would love to see Leslie Manville. She's amazing. She was really great. You know, um, I think the last time Long Day's Journey played, I think, was the Jessica Lang time where she was playing that role. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know... I would imagine that those are hard shoes. I mean, that really, that role has such a legacy to it anyway. But, you know, she really does a nice job of of kind of making that role her own, I would say. So I made, I made a conscious effort to see um, almost every Oscar film this year, which is really unusual. There's usually at least two or three that I haven't been able to get to. The only one I haven't seen is I, Tanya. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but I saw everything else, and I can't, I can't remember everything that was nominated at this point. But you and I were going to do an Oscars episode we before were. we had our technical snafu, and so I had, I had tried to catch up and watch all of them. Yeah. Any, um, anything that yeah. leaped, that leapt out to you? I never know if it's leaped out or leapt out to you. Anything that kind of surprised you in a, either a good way or a bad way? Oh, God, I've slept since then. I can't <laughs> remember what Will was nominated and who won. Who won Best Picture? Um, I think it was Shape of Water, wasn't it? Didn't Shape of Water win? Or did Three oh, Billboards prevail? Yeah. No, it was Shape of Water. I gotta tell you, I, 
I struggled with The Shape of Water a little bit. Really? I get why everybody thought it was a beautiful film. I do. But it wasn't it wasn't really unique in terms of storytelling. It seemed unique because you had a water creature as your lead. But it was a traditional fairy tale. Okay. And I um, I really had an issue with the male gaze in that movie. Oh, okay. That nobody talks about. And I, I just felt like it was exploitative in a way that wasn't consistent with the story and was unnecessary. And for those of you who have seen it, my example is, you know, Michael Shannon's character is absolutely the villain. There's no question. He's not a nuanced character. He's very two-dimensional in that regard. And then you cut to a scene at his house um, where he has this perfect cookie-cutter, um, you know, 1950s housewife and children. But rather than making it appear as if there's a veneer of happiness where underneath they're actually not, which is what you would think would be consistent with a villain like that. Um, it's actually quite a happy family. Sure. And his wife is more than eager. To, she just exposes her breasts to him, like, randomly at the end of the scene. You're like, okay. <laughs> I don't uh, even remember okay. that. Huh. Yeah, and and then and then they go to the bedroom, and and I'm like, what in the world? I mean, it was that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I just I I didn't care for it. I didn't dislike it. Sure. I thought it was I thought it was well done. I thought it was a beautiful film. The male gaze bothered me a little bit. Um, I just didn't think there was another film that I really wanted to win Best Picture. Oh, Call Me by Your Name. Oh, okay. See, that's the one. Okay, so I've seen all of them as well. Okay. Call Me By Your Name, um, I liked it. I, I didn't I didn't feel as attached to that one, I think, as everybody else did. I guess we're, we're kind of saying the same thing. It, it's not so much the gays thing. Um, I Wait, I need to rephrase that because his character, this is a movie about gay people. <laughs> that's not what I said. <laughs> yes. Not so much the male gaze or the female gaze or anything like that. It was the, um, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I didn't feel like, I felt like almost, I don't know if this will make any sense, but I felt like um, not enough really. I feel I feel like I've seen that story before. I don't know where exactly, but I just, I don't know. I didn't feel like that movie was really telling any unique story either. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I think I, no, I think I would agree with you on that. Um, I, I mean, it, it felt very universal. It wasn't anything new or unusual. I think it was the care taken with the film. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and a lot of it had to do with the location mm-hmm. um, and, and the cinematography. It's just, oh, it's just a beautiful film um, and, and sweet and soft and light. That's not what wins Best Picture at the Oscars. That's true. You know. Um, do you know what one really blew me away? that I was not what? expecting, The Florida Project, I thought was amazing. I not, that's the other one I haven't seen, and I need to see it, because I have I have heard that. From, I have read that several places, that people think The Florida Project is the best picture of the year, and it got ignored in that regard. I kind of, I kind of agree with that. I still, I still have a real soft spot for The Post. Um, 
But and yeah. the Florida Project is another one that, it, just like you said a minute ago, does not win the Oscar because it's a small movie with, I, I mean, Willem Dafoe is in it, but it is like not a movie about famous actors. It is a, you know, basically a single location and, you know, like it just tells a story mainly centered around a couple of kids. Those kids are amazing, by the way. Um, yeah. You know, everybody in it is just amazing. So it's that one is really worth finding. You know, you can red box it and I would I would really recommend it. That one surprised me more so than anything else. That and I, Tanya, that that one is really worth seeing, too. Um it's really great. So yeah. Oh, and I I find myself three uh, three billboards as yeah. well. I think we might have talked about that one. Had we not talked about I that think one? Maybe last we time? did because yeah. I saw that earlier on. I think I saw it on the plane. I, yeah, I really liked it. I saw the same problem that everybody else did with the sort of redemption story for Sam Rockwell. It right. felt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was special. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was a good film. What about the actual Oscar ceremony? Was there anything that surprised you? Anything that, um, you know, I don't think any wins were surprising. I think everything kind of went the way we expected. But, you know, uh, yeah. Francis McDormand's speech act- asking for inclusion writers and all of that, any kind of thoughts on... I loved that, and I loved Allison Janney's, you know, first line, I did this all by myself, or whatever it was that she said. I thought it was great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I loved that. Um, Yeah, no, I don't remember being surprised by anything. Um, I remember enjoying, you know, enjoying it. Nothing stood out, though. I mean, it was, you know, that's that's sort of the inherent problem with the Oscars, right? So it's not like the Tonys where you have big performance numbers so people tune in, even though it's, you know, a, a low ratings number in and of itself. But, you know, unless you have what happened last year with La La Land and you can't ever predict when something like that is going to happen. Right. Like the Oscars is inherently a boring television production. <laughs> nothing really, nothing really happened. That was certainly the criticism this year, and I think more so than anything else, the criticism was like, "Oh, we've seen this." You know, it was almost the same bit with like the bringing bringing celebrities to the movie theater across the street felt like you know the year before when they brought the you know the people into like a tour group or whatever, they brought them into the theater. Didn't they do something like that just a year or two oh, before? Yes. And then, um, yeah. what like was Jimmy the... Kimmel? Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. And I actually, you know, to be fair, I really liked his monologue. I, you know, I found a lot to respect about him. But I think, you know, even something like, I know why they did it. And it was, it was half to like redeem them and make them kind of not feel bad about it but it was also kind of a gimmick in some ways too even bringing like warren Beatty and faye dunaway back to do best picture again you know the year after the flub that seemed almost like kind of poking fun at at itself it's kind of the obvious choice i guess is the thing it's not a dumb move but it's the obvious choice to bring them back and have them do it again so it just felt very predictable this year very very predictable I'm hoping that next year um, that Black Panther is included in in the award nominations and that it creates, that it's a bit of a game changer and that, um, you know, it is a movie for the masses. It's not a prestige picture in the traditional sense. Right. Um, but it was, so, it was so good. I, I haven't seen it, it yet, but... 
it was ridiculously good and so groundbreaking. It was really, it was really powerful to sit in the theater and watch something that you have never seen before on screen. Well, that's amazing. That's it, a that's a good it was advertisement powerful. for it. The way women were represented, um, the way black people were represented, um, the re- it was just stunning. It was the coolest. It was it was really cool. Well, that's great. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, hopefully that'll be a part. You know, that'll be a part of it. And I, I guarantee you, if Black Panther gets nominations, like it probably should, the ratings will go up. Yeah. People will watch. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That I mean, traditionally, the years that have had the highest ratings have been like a massive, massive movie. The Titanic year was, you know, gigantic. Right. And, you know, we have some Meryl news and Meryl McNally. I don't know if you know about the Meryl news. Because I don't know if I do. I found out just a few minutes ago when I was, you know, punching in something on IMDb when I was looking up one of the movies we were discussing. That and I definitely don't know the Meryl News. Meryl Streep is in pre-production on another movie right now. Is she really? It is. Well, is it this other? So I read a headline about her, her signing on to do another like conspiracy theory, um, hidden papers story yes okay then you do know you know everything before me meryl even when you don't think you do you know everything (laughs) but okay tell me the details because i don't remember okay so it's a movie called right now anyway it's called the laundromat you know titles can change um this one's called the laundromat it is said to be shooting this fall so i don't think it's i don't think it's started yet um it is a Steven Soderbergh movie. Um, he is yes. he's directing it. Uh, screenplay by Scott Z. Burns, um, based on a book by Jake Bernstein, which is Secrecy World is the name of the book. Um, right now, the three people attached to it are Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, who we were talking about in our last oh. episode, and Antonio Banderas. So I guess that's a little reunion because they did House of the Spirits together. Um, and so the tagline, I don't know anything about this um, movie except what it says on IMDb. And I'll just read you the little one-line synopsis, which is, this follows a group of journalists who take part in unearthing 11.5 million files linking the world's most powerful political figures to secret banking accounts to avoid taxes. Oh, yeah, it's the Panama deal. Is it? Oh, yeah, you're right. The Panama Papers. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That'll be excellent. So, Soderbergh yeah. is so good at that kind of political thriller. Yeah. So. It's definitely his wheelhouse. I thought, I thought, wait, is he directing? That's what, it's listen on IMDb that he's directing. I know what you're going to say, that he he gave up I directing, know. but. Well, he did, he did Unsane with his cell phone, or with an, yeah, with an iPhone camera. So, right. I guess that technically, technically brings him back. Well, and he did. <laughs> Out of retirement. He did Logan Lucky last year, too, um, which oh, yeah. was that before or after the retirement? See, he was, like, going to go to TV, I think, was his thing, wasn't it? Like, he felt like yeah. TV was where it was at. And he did. He did do a few. He did that Behind the Candelabra movie with Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. He did um, uh, quite a few episodes of The Nick. In fact, he might have done all the episodes of The Nick. Um, yeah, and then he's got that other show with... Um, oh, he's got one called Mosaic right girl. now. Or maybe he just produced the, the Girlfriend Project, or I've got the name wrong. It's on Showtime, I think. Oh, okay. He's doing one on HBO called Mosaic with Sharon Stone. Um, which, oh, okay. 
Um, I watched uh, the first episode and I wasn't sure what to make of it. I need to to go back to it. But he has a couple other, um, let's see, I'm looking real quickly at his thing. He's got what looks like a movie in post-production called High Flying Bird with Kyle MacLachlan, Andre Holland, um, a few other folks. So he's right now attached to direct this thing so i don't know i'm excited about this this is this is more in my wheelhouse than um mamma mia 2 or mary poppins returns uh, yeah. <laughs> so oh i'm well i gotta say i'm pretty excited for mary poppins but i'm like and i, I was a mary poppins junkie as a kid i love it yeah. i adore it and i'm like totally fine with emily blunt taking taking the torch yeah i think i am too i think she's a good choice i think she's kind of the only choice really for that one right yeah. now um, yeah. so if they're going to do it, I don't know. That's, it's a high wire act, you know, get it right if you're going to do it. But I, it's yeah. with the caliber of people involved, I think they're probably going to do a nice job with that one. I hope so. I so. have faith. I mean, it doesn't usually work out well, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. Have you, have you seen, um, the other trailers that have come out for Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again? Yeah, I have. I still think it looks pretty terrible but i'm i'm you know also i'm keeping the i'm like keeping the faith yeah <laughs> as much as you can with the mama mia sequel it looks pretty verified again this is conjecture so don't take this as i know nothing about it but i think there are a lot of people talking about the fact that it really looks as though meryl streep character meryl streep's character is dead um yeah and that, uh, yeah, I think I think she is. And that she's going to be playing a somewhat, if not very limited role in this thing. It really looks like she's not going to be in much from the trailers. That doesn't yeah. mean that that's right. I, you know, I think that's what makes it probably more disappointing than anything yeah. else involved with the film. I really like the inclusion of of um, Lily James. I think she's charming and a wonderful actor, and. Um, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Cher's grandma. <laughs> I don't know. I have to, I have reserved judgment. Right. I'll go see it. Right. And, you know, I'm a sucker for a musical. Obviously, Let's see. The the thing that's kind of interesting to me is if you look at the poster for it. I'm looking again on IMDb. It's got the yeah. with Cher and Meryl Streep at the very end. They've got like you know seven eight actors listed with Cher and Meryl Streep, you know, whereas on the original Mamma Mia, she was the first, she got top billing. She was the first one listed. Right. This is the and Meryl Streep thing. So I don't know. It really, it, you know, it is fine if she's not in very much. I think, I don't know. Again, as somebody who that's not my favorite Meryl movie, I feel like one of the things that kind of helped that movie was, again, Meryl Streep and, and right. like everybody being like, Oh man, she's so fun in this and she's so light and she's singing and you know, all of that stuff. So to kind of take her out of it a little bit, or maybe that's what she was willing to commit to is just a glorified cameo. We don't really know, but yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe it was a schedule availability. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Like, uh, Colin Firth got raped over the coals for his singing in the first production, so much so that he refused to sing in future movies. So when he did Easy Virtue, um, the director, you know, he utilized 
he made entire, he made original music. I'm not speaking English. Um, and he had a lot of the casting because they all had singing backgrounds and he just refused. Like where he is in a song, he sings speak set. Uh, sure. <laughs> like he didn't think, uh, you know, I thought Kellen's first, Kurt's voice was pretty nice. Like it didn't, it didn't offend me in Mamma Mia. But so I was surprised he came back for it. And I'm sure it had a lot to do with the fact that everybody else was showing up for it as well. Right. You know, you're like, yeah, sure. Why not? Well, assuming they got to shoot in Greece again, you know, I mean, that might be part of it too. I mean, like, if you think, yeah, yeah, if you think about like what life is like for an actor, I mean, that's part of the decision making, isn't it? You know, like just deciding, yeah. oh, I this this will be a fun couple months with Meryl Streep and Cher and Pierce Brosnan and Colin Firth. You know, like who wouldn't want to go and be a part of that? Yeah, you know, um, that's true. I'd sign up. Yeah, so that's that's part of it too, I suppose. But um, anyway. So we have that. Uh, Big Little Lies is continuing to film. There was a thing, I don't know if this is particularly interesting or not. Did you hear about the New Jersey Hall of Fame thing by chance? So there is a New Jersey Hall of Fame. I'm probably getting it wrong. I'm sure it's not actually called the New Jersey Hall of Fame, but it's for artists of, of different disciplines. And so I guess they've been trying to induct Meryl Streep for many years because she's from New Jersey originally. And it's it's never worked out. And so by I, I was reading some articles about it. Um, the, re, the reason I kind of caught on to it was I, I'm a big fan of Bruce Springsteen too. And he went, so one of his bandmates, uh, little Stevie, who was also in the Soprano, uh, the Sopranos television show was inducted this year. And so Bruce Springsteen was kind oh. of a surprise guest. So that's kind of how I, you know, came to, oh, cool. came to see this thing. And so from the sounds of it, from the article that I read, Meryl Streep had agreed to, to finally be inducted this year, was going to attend it. But then Big Little Lies... Uh, there was a filming conflict, and so she had to pull out yet again um, and couldn't Aww. go. So Stephen Van Zant was inducted. I think uh, Deborah Harry from from uh, Blondie oh. was inducted. So, yeah. I think that's I think that's somebody else who was inducted. And um, so maybe next year, I guess, is the point. Hopefully, I'm getting all of this right. But she was going to be inducted and had to pull out again because of Big Little Lies. Um, filming so i'm thinking maybe her role there is a little bit bigger there was a there was a picture from of her with i think nicole kidman and the kids um that was released so that is ongoing i think that's basically the meryl news over the last couple months yeah she did not win pretty quiet yeah she did not win at the academy awards but you know she still got some attention while she was there uh, right. when Frances McDormand was giving her speech and asked all the, all the women in the audience to stand up, she said, come on, Meryl, you do, if you do it, everybody will do it. So yeah, know, she's kind of the, the leader, I think at this point of all of that. She's stuff. the matriarch of Hollywood. Yes. Have we really talked about what we're here to do today? I don't think we have. No, I don't think we have. Would <laughs> everybody like to know? I mean, chatter? It'll, it'll be in the title of the episode, so it won't be a complete surprise, but, um, Yeah, you want to lead us, you want to tell us what's going on here, Meryl? Yeah, so we're going back to um, Meryl Streep's films from the 70s, and we decided to do a twofer. 
because her roles are relatively small in both of these films. So we are looking at um, her role in Manhattan, the Woody Allen film, and then in her first on-film appearance in um, Julia with Jane Fonda and Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah. So for anyone confused, because I think we had talked last time about... We are going to do a Laura Dern tribute, which we still will yeah. do. That's going to be our next episode. But um, the reasoning was we felt like we'd been away for a while and it might be easier to come back with an actual Merrill episode. We thought going four months is bad enough if we come back and talk about somebody else for a whole episode that might not go over <laughs> so well. <laughs> so we will do the Laura Dern tribute. We're going to time it out um, to be – it'll be the next episode. And she's got an HBO show coming out as well that we're going to try to time it out to. So – you know, we'll get to that one soon, assuming we don't have any more technical snafus. But we wanted to talk some Merrill. It's been long enough. We want to talk some Merrill here. So uh, which would you like to start with, Julia or Manhattan? I don't know. I know. I don't know either. I, I like, I like you pick. Um, yeah, I, feel, I have interesting things about both of these films. I do too. Let's maybe start with Manhattan because I feel like I'm going to go harder at that one than Julia. Yeah, and let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, I, I have to, like, straight out the gate, I have to make a confession. Okay. That I got 11 minutes into Manhattan and was so vomitously disgusted that I had to fast forward through most of it and just go to the Meryl Street scene. <laughs> And I would stop every once in a while thinking I can handle this. And I'd watch about three minutes and then I'd have to fast forward again because he would say something so atrocious that I had to move on. So I have a vague sense of the plot, which I think is about all I need. Yeah. And I have Meryl Streep scenes. Yeah. Do you want to? You're the you're the um, articulate one. I'm the rambly one. So you're you're much better than me at talking plot. Um, do you, are you willing sure. to go for it with this awful movie? Yes. So Woody Allen. Um, this film was from 1979. He wrote and directed it. He also stars in it. He plays a television writer who is trying to write a novel, and he is in a relationship with. A 17-year-old girl played by uh, Muriel Hemingway. And in the process, he meets Diane Keaton's character, who, is she a journalist? Um, I don't remember. To tell you the truth, I watched both of these movies like a week and a half ago. and Anyway, yeah. she's a full-blown adult, like women should be when they engage in a relationship. And he falls for her. And um, he leaves Muriel Hemingway for her, and then um, she leaves him, and he goes back to Muriel Hemingway. Anyway, Meryl Streep plays his ex-wife, who um, writes a, a sort of self-help book and uses their marriage and breakup as sort of a, a grounding point for the book. And uh, he's very upset about this throughout the whole film. Right. That's the best plot description I can give. Probably not the best I've ever given. I only watched. Well, I would about say thirty minutes of the entire film. Yeah, it's a typical Woody Allen movie. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's it feels it like a Woody a Allen plot. movie. Yeah, it's it's more like neuroses and all of that. Um, I'll be honest. There was a period of time, kind of before. Well, it was after. 
uh, it was a maybe less um, aware time when when myself personally and the rest of us were kind of less aware of, oh, this guy isn't so great. Um, where, you know, I was watching a lot of Woody Allen movies and, and liking them. And I remember particularly liking this movie, um, which is kind of, I feel bad saying that, but I remember thinking this was, uh, but at the same time, this is a movie that to this day, a lot of people really, really like, and, you know, view yeah. as, as like one of his bigger movies. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Watching it again, it's just one of those movies that it just, it's so cringeworthy and it makes you just go, what in the world? And the only thing that I will say is, um, uh, he actually seems somewhat aware of it himself. I guess he, at one point when the movie came out, he offered to to make like five other movies for the other company if they just wouldn't release this movie. And like years later he said something like oh you know i can't believe i got away with that one so it seems like he was aware that like oh this is kind of a not great look <laughs> you know i i don't even know how to talk about this yeah. movie <laughs> i think i think he's very i think he's very aware i think what i find fascinating and not in a good way about Woody allen is that you know he writes all of his films um, and, and I feel like in every film, in some way, he confesses to us and none of us listen. Sure. Does that make sense? I yeah. mean, his predilections are all over this movie. In every speech he gives, at the end when he comes back, I watched the final scene where he's trying to convince Meryl Hemingway to stay in New York. And that insidious form of manipulation of a young person, you know, when you kind of try and sweet talk them into doing what you want them to do. I, I almost vomited all over my floor. I, and I really, like, it made me physically sick to watch it. Like that first scene when he's talking about her being 17 and I don't know, I just, I couldn't, I can't even, I can't even. Yeah. It's, it is a competently made movie, um, with, truly dreadful subject matter. You know what I mean? And I think what makes it more dreadful is that nobody seemed to notice right. or really care. I mean, I guess the studio noticed at the time, but I mean, people love this movie. Yeah, I guess that's the question. Okay, so we live in a more enlightened time. Um, was there ever, a, I mean, there there was a period of time. I was going to ask a question about it, but this was a pretty lauded movie. It was nominated for a couple Academy Awards. It won several BAFTAs, including Best Picture and Best Screenplay. So this was a movie that was really well-liked when it came out. But, like, there was a period of time. Okay, so this movie came out, what, 1979? Is that right? So almost, what is that, 40 years? Almost 40 years ago where a, what, 42, 43-year-old man dating a 17-year-old girl was was viewed as okay? I, I don't know. I don't understand, I guess, I, when how, how this movie was ever really viewed as okay. There was just more objectification of women, and um, it was just accepted. I, I, I truly, I don't know. I just find it so, I find it so disturbing. The things that went on behind the scenes in the filmmaking process during that period, and obviously before, but the stories from you know the sixties and seventies, um, or you know, in some 
in some aspects pretty pretty harrowing for women. And I think what concerns me about this movie is that there hasn't been um, there hasn't been a great deal of reflection on it now. Sure. It's still rated 8 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Right. It's still critically acclaimed. Nobody has turned around and said, has anybody looked at this through today's lens because this is seriously problematic? Nobody's saying it. And and in in many regards, like there are some actors who are coming out and saying they're having to, the the PR machine and the court of public opinion is sort of pushing them to come out and say they'll never work with Woody Allen again, but not many. Right. Not many. Uh, I mean, Timothy Chalamet was the first, and he's a kid. Right. Well, it is... Uh, and it, I just think that's problematic. Yeah, it is typically the younger folks who've who've been the ones who've said it. Although there are a few... I feel like Michael Caine recently came out and said he wouldn't work with Woody Allen again. Um, I feel like there are a few... Few of the Colin older folks. First did, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, Kate Winslet. Yeah, there are there are a few, and I don't know. Uh, on another note, um, a little anecdote thing, because quite frankly, anything that gets us out of talking about this movie is fine by me. Um, <laughs> it, so I I know she's a very polarizing person herself. So I'm not I, I'm not suggesting this, and like everybody should listen to this, but. Um, I was listening to one of Kathy Griffin's audiobooks recently. Um, you know, it was it was a drive thing, and she has a book out that's it's called like you know her celebrity run in. So basically, every she lists a bunch of famous people and just talks about encounters that she's had with them. So it's very light. You know, it's one of those things where if you're driving for a lot for a long period of time, it's really really light material and you know very listenable basically. And so she goes alphabetically through the whole thing, and one of the first people is Woody Allen, and she talks about being at multiple dinner parties with him, and again. And this is this is in her book, so I'm not. I was not in the room. I'm not saying any of this happened. Um, she's saying this happened and published it, so it is what it is. Um, but she she said two things that I found interesting. One was that at one of the dinner parties, he came in with is his his wife's name Sun Yi. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. he came in and said, "Hello, everyone. This is my child bride, Sun Yi." And oh my god. It, yeah, in that like oh, he kind of gets it. It's like a shock value, like, oh, he's, you know, like he's trying to diffuse the tension by owning it first, which is not, I I mean, I'm not saying that that's necessarily respectable, but at least you kind of have to look at it and go, okay, well, at least he's aware of like how creepy this is and like is trying to. Oh, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she said that that was basically like the only material he had and that the rest of the time he was a bore. Okay, but here's the second thing. And this is, to me, the the way creepier thing was that at some point, um, the subject of Miley Cyrus and her television show, Hannah Montana, which was on at that point, came up. And Woody Allen said that he had seen every single episode of Hannah Montana. What oh the hell is a grown man doing watching that show? He has no excuse for oh watching God. Hannah Montana. What reason could he possibly have? I can't even. <laughs> and I think they worked after that on a TV show together. I feel like there was a thing where he was he was doing his first television show and Miley Cyrus was in it. And, and then I think it kind of failed. I should look this up to make yeah. sure I'm not lying Yeah, yeah, about it was that. on Netflix. 
it was apparently a, a hot mess. Did they even release it? Yeah. Yeah, what? it's on Netflix. Really? What is it called? Yeah. Oh. Oh, is it this? Oh, it's Crisis in Six Scenes is what it's called. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch it for obvious reasons. I didn't I mean I have I've gotten on my soapbox about Woody Allen on her podcast before. Everyone knows how I feel. But seriously, in all seriousness, please go read the judge's written opinion in the custody battle between him and Mia Farrow. It's, it's, it runs up, I think, about 30 pages, but it is a fast read. And if you're on the fence about any of this, please go read that judge's decision hmm. on why he gives full custody to Mia Farrow and all the ins and outs of it. And I, I, I really do think that you will have a better understanding of, of the entire case. Because, there, I mean, there is a lot of venom being spit from both sides, and most people don't know all the details. Right. They really don't. And the, and that and that opinion is very, very helpful to clarify all of it. And really clarify who Woody Allen is as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I, I'm going to look this up as well, do you feel like Woody Allen is going to continue to make movies? Yeah, I you do. think so? He's got um, yeah. one coming out this year with Elle Fanning. Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Um, so I guess that's part of it. Rebecca Hall, who I think has also come out and said she wouldn't work with him again. Um, Jude Law, Selena Gomez, Leah Schreiber, Cherry Jones, some other folks. So he's yeah. st- he's still working with some great people. I mean, how do you market a movie? I know his movies aren't really expected to make a ton of money anyway, but I mean, how do you market a movie when multiple members of the cast have now said they wouldn't work with him again? How do you How do you market that movie? I don't know. What do you do for press tour? I mean, I think they're contractually obligated to go through the press tour. Right. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to deal with questions about it because they've come out. So, you know, I don't know if it's really in the studio's best interest to have those actors on press tours. I truly don't know. Um, I don't think there are enough actors that have come out to stop the Woody Allen machine. I think... Uh, I think he'll continue to make movies, and I think high-powered actors will continue to work with him unless people keep throwing a fit. I, I mean, it frustrates me to no end that somebody like Justin Timberlake sticks the chimes up and a Me Too pin on and prances around, and then the only thing he has to say is, is um, I'm just so excited I got to work with one of my idols. Right. Am I really just intend to, like, take your pen off? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm extraordinarily opinionated about Woody Allen. I will say that I loved Meryl Streep's performance in it, mainly because she seems so revolted by him the whole time, I feel like she wants to run off camera. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and I know that that's part of the character, but there is something so disturbing about their scenes together where he is in her physical space constantly and she is constantly bobbing and weaving to get away from him. Right. It's it's fascinating to me. If you look, now I'm looking on my iPad, so I don't know how it works if you're looking at it on a on a computer. But if again, if you go to IMDB and go to the Manhattan page, um, there are 10, 11 pictures that are up. You know, you can like scroll through images from the movie. 
And one is very clearly, it's not in the movie. It's a, like, him directing her thing where they're talking. And it's it's Woody Allen and Meryl Streep. And she is giving him a look like she has never been less impressed with a human being. It really says everything. It's one of the, like, 10 or 11 pictures. But she's giving him this look of just utter contempt, you know. And maybe she's in the character because that's how her character feels about him. But, you know, I don't want to put words in her mouth or anything like that. But... It just, I love photo assumption, though. It's, it's very fun. It speaks, <laughs> I feel like, how the rest of us feel about Woody Allen. I don't know. This movie is, like I said, you know, it's if you can get past the subject matter, which nobody should, I'm just saying, like, if hypothetically it were possible, um, you know, it is a competently made movie in some in some aspects, but it's just... I don't know. It's just not... It, it's not enjoyable at this point, because... It's not. It's not fun to watch. You know, I don't know. No, and the and the writing, the way he, the way he writes women, is not three dimensional. It, it it's not. I mean, they're interesting and quirky, I guess, but they are very much stereotypes of women, right? The 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 young innocent. Um. You know, I I would say Meryl Streep's character is the shrew, right? Um, you know, he and he consistently does that, and so I I yeah I, I can't connect with it on that level either. Yeah. Uh, but Meryl Streep was good. She was very good. She was very good. She shot her scenes in between breaks from the Deer Hunter, so you know she kind of squeezed it in. Um, I'm looking up other stuff about this movie, and I, I guess Meryl Hemingway said in a biography that around this time she was getting a lot of unwanted romantic attention from Woody Allen, which is a surprise to absolutely nobody, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Nope. Sure. So... It's to me. Where would this movie rank um, on both your lists, do you think? So far at the bottom that it's not even on the list. Okay. <laughs> Okay, here's my dilemma. Here's my dilemma. Um, If I'm looking at this, I guess this is a question. Do we want to look at this subjectively or objectively? Because if I look at this, the movie that I have at the bottom, the last couple are, so the bottom three for me are Still of the Night, Before and After, and Homesman. If I'm looking at the movie, I think yeah. this is a more competently movie, made movie. I'm talking about like, like the actual like construction. Right. That's the question. Yeah. Or, I don't know. I can't, I can't disconnect it from my, from my um, moral disgust, you know? Yeah. So it's hard for me. It's hard for me to rank it. Like, I, I find, uh, you know, part of that construction is the writing, and I find the writing so atrocious and offensive. Um, you know, visually, it's a pretty film, if not a little pretentious. <laughs> yeah. And it's choice to go with black and white, and uh, I don't know. I I don't have my ranking list in front of me. I've got to, I've lost it, folks. I've got to go dig it up somewhere. Um, but I... I yeah I can't I can't put it anywhere near the top of the list. No. I, I can't even rank it above the bad films. I just put it solidly at the bottom. Okay, I'm going I, for it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I was I was reading your list here, by the way. My my bottom few. I think here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of I definitely it doesn't deserve to be at the top. It doesn't deserve to be in the middle. Um, 
for me, I'm going to say it's not the worst movie she's ever been in. Um, and I feel bad about that because in some ways it is, but, um, like just from the objective making a movie thing, I don't know. So I'm going to put it, I'm going to say it's in between Harper and still of the night for me towards the bottom. So that's like, you know, that's bottom four or five. I'm still saying Heartburn, Florence, Foster Jenkins, Devil Wears Prada, Julie and Julia, so on and so forth are, are better than this Now, performance-wise, I think I would not rank it at the bottom like, in terms of Meryl performances. Sure. And I, I'll pull that list and see where I put it. Like, off the top of my head, I think I enjoyed it better than her performance, say, in A Still of the Night and The Homesman. Okay, I'm gonna so, put it. I'm yeah. gonna put it in a similar spot um, there. I'm gonna put it in between still of the night and before and after there, for me. Yeah. So it's you know certainly bottom third, but you know not at the very bottom for me on both of these. It's just it's a unpleasant movie to watch. Here's what I would also say. I guess this is where kind of the question comes in because I think as much as some of these other movies are worse made so like before and after i have right after this movie i would watch before and after again before i watched manhattan again so maybe there's something there you know um but whatever let's go on to julia now how do you feel about julia because i i would imagine julia sits a little bit better for you but maybe not yes so i i saw julia for the first time when i was pretty young my mom really liked film and so I remember watching it oh gosh you know somewhere around like 10 or 11 um and I remember my mom telling me then that it was Meryl Streep's first movie so it kind of has a nostalgic place for me but on re-watching it I I thought it was very interesting I wasn't crazy about it it was it's a it's a little bit slow, and I, I went to read reviews and just sort of general history with the film after I watched it, and I think many people had the same at the time when it came out had sort of the same opinions I did about it that that you know the script really doesn't it really doesn't establish their connection as friends. I agree with that very so, much. Yeah, so let me give for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, Julia is pulled from a story written by the playwright Lillian Hellman. Um, it is um, supposedly true, allegedly true, although um, other people have come forward and said that Lillian Hellman, um, that it was not true, that it was based off of somebody else's life and that Lillian Hellman ripped it off. So um, it's about her friendship. Um, Jane Fonda plays Lillian Hellman. It's about her friendship with this woman, Julia, played by Vanessa Redgrave. They've been friends since childhood. Um, Vanessa Redgrave's character grows up, uh, goes to medical school, becomes a doctor, is living in Europe. Um, at the start of World War II, Lillian Hellman's in America doing her playwriting thing. And um, Vanessa Redgrave's character gets involved with the resistance and trying to help um, Jewish people and other persecuted people get out of Nazi-occupied Europe. And she's ultimately caught. Um, but Lillian Hellman, the story sort of centers around a trip she takes to Europe and she assists Julian getting money across the German border in Berlin to help get people out. So that's sort of the general plot. Yeah, they didn't establish the friendship well. There's a lot of flashbacks to their childhood to try to do that, but it's sort of weird tonally. Very much so. Very disconnected. 
and that you just you just don't get attached to the characters very much. It also doesn't help, and I, I do know it was a purposeful uh, character choice because it's referenced at the end of the movie. Vanessa Redgrave says, are you still angry all the time? But really, Jane Fonda is just angry all the time, like, throughout the entire movie. And right. you're like, oh. <laughs> this So, um, yeah. What do you think about it? Um, this movie, it had been a while since I'd seen this movie, um, quite a while. This movie, okay, so this came out in 1977, as we talked about earlier. This is Meryl's first ever movie. Um, this is a movie, I, I think of like movies that were made around the same time. All the President's Men is one that comes to mind, you know, um, that feels so alive. This is just like, there's something about the energy of this film. It's like it's been sapped from it. I don't. I don't yeah. really know how to explain it. It's just there's no there's no crackling to this movie. And it feels like, you know, sometimes when you see um, movies from like the 50s or 60s, it feels like that to me. This is a movie that even though it's 1977 feels a whole lot older to me than 1977. It, it does. I don't know why. Um, I think it's structure. Is it? I think it's structure with all of the flashback, maybe. Yeah, could be. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't. It, it crackle is a good word. It doesn't. It doesn't crackle at all. And even movies, you know, like within within a year, she would be filming Kramer versus Kramer, which is not a perfect movie. It has its own problems, you know. But at the same time, um, that movie still too like feels not contemporary in terms of subject matter. We talked about that on that episode already, but you know, like it feels more contemporary from a movie making standpoint. It feels, it feels more competently made for lack of a better term. Um, and I, Fred, yeah. these are, these are very competent people involved in this, you know, Fred Zinnemann oh, yeah. directed Lillian Hellman is, you know, an amazing writer. Jane Fonda, I absolutely love. You know, she's amazing. Vanessa Redgrave, yeah. Jason Robards. There's all Hal Holbrook. You know, there's all amazing, wonderful people in this, and yet it just kind of seems like, I don't know. There's just something detached and removed from it somehow. And honestly, for all my criticism, I mean, it was well received. It was yeah. nominated for several Oscars. You know, and I think critics really liked it. Yeah, and it won. It won three different Academy Awards. It won Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor for Jason Robards, Best Supporting Actress for Jason for Vanessa Redgrave, and uh, Best Writing yeah. for Adapted Material. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture. It was Jane Fonda was nominated for Lead. Uh, Maximilian Schell for Supporting Actor was nominated for Best Director, Cinematography, Costume Design, Editing, Music, Original Score. I mean, this movie was very very well received. Um, you know what's interesting about this movie is when when um, if you if you take just the chunk of it where Vanessa Redgrave's character has asked for um, uh, Julia has asked for Lillian's help getting the money across the border, it's an amazing thriller. Yeah. If you take just that chunk, I mean, it builds tension so beautifully. Her nervousness, her sort of brash American style, where she's like quick to you know, quick to tell somebody not to do something, but then it's part of the plan. It's really beautifully done, sort of that end sequence. And it's everything else around it that's sort of disjointed. I think it feels unmoored in that you don't have any context for anyone. You know, you know Jason Robards and Dashiell Hammett, uh -huh. but you don't see their relationship established. They're just on the beach, right, talking about a play, and you're not even sure which play. 
Right. And um, so you have these sort of vignettes and scenes, but you don't get enough exposition or backstory to really connect you to the characters. And it's the same thing with the flashbacks to the girls as kids. You get these you get these sort of isolated scenes where something has happened, but there's no context to them. You don't know how Lillian met Julia. You don't, you know, you don't know how often they spent time together. You don't, those are things that never get established, so it's sort of hard to get a framework. But it is very, I mean, it is very much of its time, right? That's sort of super realist, real realistic, um, you know, muted, palette 1970s film it has those attributes so i can see why it was well received at the time so um this i'm looking at some of the things about this movie here and it says that um there was actually at one point a consideration of casting meryl in the title role the vanessa redgrave redgrave role um, but she didn't get that basically because she was too unknown at the time. This again was her movie debut. So, um, I guess she hadn't proved herself in enough of a way to, to warrant that at the, at the period of time that this movie was being made, had it been made, you know, a year or two later, things would have been very, very different, but there are a lot of actresses who are, you know, very well-known who did turn down roles. Julie Christie, Faye Dunaway, Barbara Streisand all turned down roles in this movie. Um, wow. And from the sounds of it, the, there were a lot of executives who were kind of fearful about putting Jane Fonda and Vanessa Redgrave in the same movie. They they were both pretty politically outspoken. And so there was kind of a fear of, you know, if we put both of these right. two together, this might not go so well. But um, it was a big hit, so go figure. I feel like that happens usually, usually just with women. You never really hear them say that about two men, of course. But um, no, <laughs> funny how that works, isn't it? But you know, it yeah. seems like whenever they say that, they're like, "Oh, these two are too difficult." You know, the I guess it's this is slightly different because opinionated doesn't always mean difficult, but you know, it's close enough. And uh, it it seems like whenever that happens the actresses always get along and everything goes fine i thought those two had good chemistry on screen too and i wish they had had more screen time together yep me too um the the roles are split between two young actresses who played them as kids and then jane fonda and Vanessa redgrave as adults um and i i thought they did a good job with the split casting i think that sort of assists in the detachment though um and it would have to be split cast. I mean, there was no way to avoid that. Right. But I, I think it does disconnect you a little bit um, as the rest of it does. But I really liked them on screen together. I thought they were great. Yes. And I think a lot of it with Jane Fonda was, was um, you know, her beat, it's in the writing. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure it's necessarily a performance flaw. She's a wonderful actress. Um, I feel like the entire script, she's frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And props to Jane Fonda, too, because I think she was the one who really fought for Meryl Streep, you know, who who said something like, this girl really has it, you know, and, and yeah. you should really... So I know she's... I know Meryl Streep has said a few times, you know, including the AFI tribute thing to Jane Fonda, which if I can find that, I'll put that up to take us out of the episode, um, Meryl's tribute oh. to Jane Fonda at the AFI, because I, I know she talked about how, how grateful she was to Jane Fonda for kind of speaking up for her, and she felt like it was because of Jane Fonda that she got this part, 
and you know one thing leads to another so you know yeah it, it it's another example of you know uh who you know it's who you know and it's also people helping Talent out other people yeah yeah and and not necessarily looking at everybody as competition you know somebody who is in a position of power like Jane Fonda, who was, you know, really at the peak of her fame and and power, um, you know, could have seen Meryl Streep as a threat, but instead said, oh, she's really great. I'm going to put her in this movie with me. Well, that's a great move. That's the smartest thing you can do. You know, surround yourself with the best and they'll make you look better. And I feel like it's it's the the great ones that really know that that that's one thing that to me is always interesting. I feel like you know as a singer songwriter, I always view that with bands too. It's always the ones who, you know, want to be the best one on stage. I don't know. I don't always trust those people. It's the people who are smart enough to surround themselves with a really great band and don't have the ego of I need to be the best one out there. You know, you surround oh, yourself great. with a great band or a great you know cast, and you will look better. You know. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't work the other way. It doesn't. Yeah, because music and theater and film—they're all inherently a collaborative art. You can't—you can't exist as an island and be successful at those forms of art. Right. And and I think um, I think you're better off. You're absolutely better off having a collaborative spirit and wanting to encourage and lift people up, and it, and it will pay it forward. You know, if you pay it forward, it will pay off for you. Yeah. I think much more so than, you know, trying to be an island. Yeah. Um, can I can I mention, like, a soup? Did you find a scene at the, towards the end of the film? There's a scene where Jane Fonda, it's a flashback, we're sitting in a cafe with a character named Sammy, and he, he implies that she and Julia had a romantic relationship as teenagers. But he leads into that by talking about the fact that he slept with his sister, Anne-Marie, who is Meryl Streep's character. And it's the strangest, I mean, it's just the weirdest lead-in. Like, out of nowhere, he's talking about sleeping with his sister. And then goes straight to, you had you had a romantic relationship with Julia as a teenager. It was sort of, I was like, whoa, where did that come from? She, she ends up hitting him and knocking him over and throwing the table on him. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, it's a very strange... It's a strange little out of nowhere. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Mel Streep's character's name is Anne-Marie. I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about. Right. <laughs> Very strange. I love, I love her scene. She's full of character. Yeah. I absolutely believe that she's a total New York socialite snot. Yep. She's great at that. Yeah. She does a fantastic job. Her hair is dyed dark. Yep. And, uh, yeah, she's amazing. It was, you know, a hint of what was to come, for sure. Yeah. She's she's great in this. It's a It's a... And not a um, particularly likable character. And no. for that reason, I'm kind of glad that she's played that character very few times. I was going to say relatively few, but actually I'm, I'm struggling to think of another time outside of really She-Devil is maybe the other time that she kind of did that. And that it was to kind of send up that stereotype, you know, like it was to kind of, um, you know, it was a... It was mocking that stereotype, really, rather than trying to actively portray it, maybe. Um, right. So, you know, I'm glad she hasn't done that too much because you can see how good she is at that. Like, that's a, that's an easy uh, go-to for her, or would be an easy go-to for her, I think. So I'm, I'm glad she hasn't done that too often because I didn't like her character very much. She was great, but I didn't like her character very much. Right. 
So right, and I think uh, I think yeah, that was definitely part of the part of the point. She did it well. Yeah. So where would these where would the performance and the and the movie sit for you? Also in the lower half, but not quite as low. Or where would this sit? Yeah, you know, I probably as hard as I have been on the film, I would um, I would probably put it above before and after. Okay. Sure. Um, in terms of. Uh, quality of the film overall, performance-wise, I mean, it's a wonderful performance. It's so small. Right. That it's, you know, I would, I might stick it above Manhattan on the performance list just because of the size of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Um, I'm going to performance, stick it in between, um, I'm going to stick it in between House of the Spirits and Homesman, I think, um, kind of towards the lower end. Homesman yeah. is this, is the same thing, where she's great, it's just too small a role. Um, and actually, I can't decide which I like better, but Julia, for now, is going to be a little bit above Homesman, I think. Um, and for movies, I'm kind of with you. I think I'll put it in between House of the Spirits and Before and After, um, somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't know. Once we get to the end, it'll, you know, it'll kind of make its shape, these lists. But so shall we move on to our other segments here? Sure. Um, Okay. So actually, I didn't didn't warn you about this, Meryl, but I think we're officially out of movies Meryl was almost in, at least um, ones that I could find that I feel like we haven't talked about. So I have an idea for a new segment. Um, okay. that we can start next time. I'm, I'm still looking for a great idea because I think this is an okay idea, but, uh, you know, there's a great idea out there somewhere. So, you know, email us at MeryllStreetPodcast at gmail.com if you've got a better idea. Um, we won't, I won't make you do this on the spot, and I didn't think of one in advance either, but how about instead of movies Meryl was almost in, we come up with a movies we wish Meryl was in kind of thing. Oh, um, where we, I love it. Where we take a performance, and it doesn't mean that whoever, you know, whoever is actually in the movie wasn't good. It's just a, it would be interesting to see Meryl in this kind of thing. Um, so how does that feel? Yeah. Because that way it's not I just mean, reading from a trivia page and, you know, it's it involves us thinking about it a little bit. And it's yeah. a little bit more open-ended, I think, because it's, you know, we can kind of go in different genres and I don't know. That seems more fun to me. So so anyway, we're done with Movies Meryl Was Almost In and we'll, we'll start that next time. Um, and then for I can s- tell you one right now. Oh, you can? Okay, go for it. I can. I totally wish she had been Marmy in the 1990s version of Little Women. Oh, instead of Susan Sarandon? Yeah, I like Susan Sarandon. Fine, she does a great job. But I would have loved to see Meryl Streep in that role. Yeah, sure. I don't think I've seen that one. Um, I'm sure she would have been great. But actually, I thought of one, too, just now. I I, I think it's because we were talking about 90s. Um, I don't know where the hell this came from. This is a weird choice. But um, And again, (laughs) this is... It's almost... Uh, some people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this because it's a really iconic performance. Um, and it's not because I want that person to not have had this role because I think it has done uh, Kathy Bates an enormous amount of good in her career. But um, how about Kathy Bates's role in Misery? Misery? Yeah. Oh, oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Just to see what she would have done with it. I don't know. Yeah. Something there. Again, I love, love, love Kathy Bates. And I feel like that is, yeah. you know, one of the movies that really put her on the map. So I, I wouldn't in a million years yeah, want, want that have to be have taken away from her. But um, that's not the point of this. So anyway, um, 
All right, so then on to our six degrees. It has been months now that we've had to think about how to connect Giovanni Rabisi and Meryl Streep. Did you happen to come up with any? He is in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. With Tom Hanks, who has obviously Meryl Streep connections with the Post. And is that the first time they've been acted together? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. You would think more. And then um, Matt Damon who's also in Saving Private Ryan. And doesn't Meryl, Meryl Streep's got a cameo in that really goofy comedy he did. Yeah, that's right. Where he's a, an attached... Yeah, to Greg Kinnear. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Whatever that's called. So yeah. those two. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right about that. He was also in uh, That Thing You Do, that Tom Hanks directed. Um, there are a couple... Oh, yeah. There are a couple other ones that I came up with. There's one, it's kind of a... It's kind of a little thriller thing, um, and it's another one that has some real like male gaze problems with it. It's a it's a thriller with Halle Berry and uh, Bruce Willis called Perfect Stranger. Um, but, oh yeah. But Bruce Willis was in um, Death Becomes Her. Uh, oh yeah, Cold Mountain. Cold Wasn't Mountain. He in Cold Mountain. Yes, he was. That's another one of the ones. So Nicole Kidman in the hours, and now Big Little Lies. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's. That's a few of them, but I know that there's, I know that there were others as well. So, Meryl, who did you uh, pick for our next Six Degrees person? Okay, I picked David Tennant. And for for those of you who don't know who he is, many of you probably do, he is, um, he he was Doctor Who in the UK a couple Doctor Whos ago. (laughs) And um, he's also a stage actor. He was recently the villain in the first season of Jessica Jones on Netflix. Uh, Marvel show, and um, he's a really interesting actor. I picked him because being a British actor and most of his work being in the UK, his connection to US films is a little more tentative, and yeah. so the connection will be harder. It will. I don't even know who this person is, so it's going to be very tricky for me. <laughs> it's kind of like you might the, know him if you see him. Yeah, I probably will. It's kind of like when you sprung Zendaya on me, who, of course, now I know because I've seen The Greatest Showman, but I, you know, at the time i had no idea who that was so it's similar now i'll now i'll start seeing this person everywhere and that's great cool well it is so good to be back it is so good to be talking meryl street movies again um yes next time we're going to do a laura dern tribute episode um and then after that we're continuing on so we did two 70s movies today uh we're going to continue on to the 80s after our laura dern tribute episode and let's tell them what we're going to do meryl what are we doing in the 80s Silkwood. I'm so excited. Silkwood. I've been waiting. I've never seen this movie, guys. I know. This of, is... Of, it's ridiculous that I haven't seen it. This is, to me, up there with Sophie's Choice. This is top three performances for me, for sure. I love this oh movie gosh. so much. Love it. I'm so excited. Yeah. This is, this is an amazing, amazing movie. So I'm glad we're getting to it. But... Um, yeah, it'll be good. We will be back as soon as possible with the Laura Dern episode, everybody. We appreciate you hanging with us through all our technical snafus, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, the recipient of the 2004 AFI Life Achievement Award, Meryl Streep. Are you ready to work out? You should have your running shoes on because we're going to go straight into the aerobics in a little while and you won't want to stop to put your shoes on. 
Who else has done the Jane Fonda advanced workout? <laughs> Almost 40 years ago, you put your arm around me and like a big sister walked me into movie making. I was um, a late starter, I was 28, just out of drama school, and I got my first movie. It was Fred Zinnemann's Julia. And I was so nervous because all my scenes were going to be with you. First day, I was so nervous. And finally they called me to the set and I met Jane Fonda for the first time. She had an almost feral alertness, like this bright blue um, attentiveness to everything around her that was completely intimidating and made me feel like I was lumpy and from New Jersey, which I am. <laughs> but we rehearsed once, and um, then we just started shooting. And it was kind of great. I didn't do exactly what I'd done in the rehearsal um, on the first take, but second take, I thought, well, I'll try something else. I'm feeling alive. I'm feeling really good here. <laughs> And Jane she said to me, <clears throat> look down. And I said, what? She said, over there. That green tape on the floor, that's you. That's your mark. And if you land on it, you will be in the light and you will be in the movie. And I said, I love this woman. <laughs> and after we wrapped that movie, I found out she'd gone back to California and told everyone who would listen about this girl with a weird last name and um, opened more doors than I probably even know about today. So I have so much to thank you for because these are your signal characteristics, I think, as an actress and a woman your presentness. You really, you're right here. It's so unusual. And your generous heart. So, I thank you for that. I'm so glad I get to do it publicly. And all the young actors that I've worked with subsequently in the years uh, following, thank you too, because that lesson got passed down, that kindness. And it does keep going. So, Jane, in your own words, from the end of the advanced workout, which, incidentally, I did day before yesterday, <laughs> congratulations. You should feel good about yourself. You've done a great job. That's all.